Hello, welcome to He's Hot But Something's Off with me, just Joey T. We just had a hurricane. Um, I was typing into, uh, I've got a doc that has the outline for the topics I want to talk about for each podcast. So before I start recording, I will be on my laptop making bullets of the topics. And I was going to talk about the hurricane, obviously, and I typed it into Google Docs and Google Docs recognized what I was trying to spell because it instantly popped up that I spelled it wrong because I didn't even know it was an actual word. I mean, that's how good Google is nowadays. It would correct made up words that is in like the current trending vocabulary out on the Internet, like instantly, like Google Docs has gotten so good. But anyways, for those of you that haven't heard about Hurricane. Here in Southern California, we just had a storm that passed through. Um, it was a hurricane to start, Hurricane Hillary, and it was going up along the coast uh, of Mexico, going north, and it's passed us now. I'm recording this on a Monday afternoon here in Los Angeles. The storm, the hurricane, has become a tropical storm, and now I think... It's kind of sort of fizzling out, but it's past Southern California now, and it's nice and sunny again. But yeah, it was weird. I read that it was the first ever tropical storm warning that Los Angeles has ever had that made landfall. And uh, I didn't go out or anything. I did have some blackouts. So Sunday morning, uh, I was half asleep, 5 or 6 a.m., and... When my house loses electricity for whatever reason, I've got a couple of battery backup thingamajigs for like all my computers and equipment and they'll go beep, 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 beep. So yeah, it's when, when the power's out and I'm home, those things start beeping to let me know, oh, your power's out, shut down your computers and stuff. So it's all the beeping basically woke me up at 6 a.m. and lost power for like a few hours. I was like, you know what? It's Sunday morning. I've got nothing to do. There's a storm outside. I don't have power. I'm just going to like go back to bed. And when I woke up at like 930 or something, the power was still out. Uh, and then it came back on for a bit. And then it went out for like another two or three hours. And then it came back on. So that was fun. Uh, I'm okay. The area that I'm in, kind of in the middle of West Hollywood, didn't really get um, that much damage. But I was reading on the news I was locked in the news the whole day on Sunday that there are various areas all throughout Los Angeles and SoCal that was like flash floods. There was this video that I saw at Universal Studios where this car was like pulling out of the parking lot and the street was just like flooded with water. Um, but in my little corner of Los Angeles, actually maybe my street flooded and I just didn't know because I literally have no view of the street out of the windows in my apartment. I can see the building next door, I can see a bunch of trees and that's it because I'm not on like the street side of the building. So yeah, maybe my street flooded and like the roof caved in on some units upstairs, but I'm like the first floor. So yeah, it was great. I messaged some of my friends who are in LA and I was like, um, is it, uh, do you guys have rolling blackouts or is it just me? And they're like, no, we're okay. So yeah, just me. But, uh, Today was fine. It was all sunny. I went to the gym just now. I went to the gym, did everything to go to the gym. It's a procedure for me to go to the gym because in my mind, I'll be thinking, 
okay, I need to eat like X hours before the gym so that I've got carbs and I've got energy. And then I'll have a coffee for some caffeine and then I have a pre-workout shake that I make. And then I also have some cereal while I'm drinking all of that so that I don't get hungry during the gym. It's, it's a whole thing. But I got to the gym and I just really wasn't feeling it. A lot of the times when I go to the gym, I'll be feeling a little tired. And when I get to the gym, 90, 95% of the time, I can just push through the tiredness. I don't know if you guys ever have that where you're, you know you're supposed to go to the gym. There's no real excuse not to go except for kind of feeling a little lazy and tired. But once you get to the gym, you kind of get into your routine and it's kind of okay. Today was not one of those days. And I worked out long enough to know that you can just cut yourself a bit of a break. So I went there. I was going to do some shoulder stuff. Did like not even one full exercise. Like I warmed up on like a couple exercises and I was like, I'm going to cut my losses. I'm just going to go home. I literally at the gym, I was on the floor, the weight, uh, the weight room for like 10, maybe 15 minutes. And then I just called it quits. And I was thinking, you know what? Today's just not the day. We just, we can just go. So I just walked back home. Uh, I had more, I spent more time walking to the gym and walking back, uh, which is probably like 40 minutes of walking. So that was something than actually working at the gym. Here's the thing though, you need to learn to listen to your body. And if you're first starting to work out or like starting exercise or whatever, it probably is more likely than not just feeling lazy. But for me, I know that, yeah, some days are just not meant for breaking records and just like pushing through like the discomfort or the pain or whatever. And as long as you're not doing it all the time, as long as it's only very occasionally that you are um, quitting the gym early for a lack of a better term, like that's okay. You're doing it like every other week. Okay. There's something going on there. But for me, it's very rare. I, in like a year of going to the gym every single week, like four or five times every single week, in a full year, I'll probably do this like less than maybe like five or six times, you know, maybe every other month. There might be a day where I feel like, you know what, like I just really need to not be at the gym. The times where I don't listen to my body, though, tend to be the times where I might injure myself, where I'm just thinking, oh, we have to go, we have to lift heavier today, we have to lift more today, and then, like, my form is off or something is off, and then I injure myself, and then I always remind myself it's better to have an easy day or take a day off than to kind of not do an exercise properly and then hurt yourself because your form is off or, like, you don't have the concentration. But anyways, um, I was going through the comments on the uh, YouTube uh, upload for this podcast for the last episode. Again, the video version of this podcast is on my YouTube channel, Just Joey T, and it's also on Spotify. And I mentioned before how I don't usually read comments on a lot of things. That especially applies to the more popular videos I have on my YouTube channel about like the cruises and the parties and that kind of stuff. But for the podcast, it's more of a personal type of a content that I put out. So, and there's only like two comments every video. There's only like maybe a hundred of you that are watching this, so I don't mind. And then one comment pointed out that I say like a lot. And I think 
it would be easy to be defensive about that. But honestly, sometimes when someone's right, they're right, and you can't get mad at it. And you know what? I do say like a lot, and I don't notice it. If I didn't do this podcast and I never ever did YouTube and I never got a chance to basically listen to myself on a recording in some way, shape, or form, I would never know that I say like too much unless someone pointed it out to me. So when I'm editing this podcast, I do listen to not the whole thing. I don't play the whole thing back and listen to every single second of the recording for the podcast, but I listen to enough of it to know that I do say like a lot. One of the things I do want to try to do that I think I'm going to try harder to do now is be more aware of it. And it's something where I think I personally think it's annoying to be really honest, as much as this person that made the comment and no hate towards this person. Definitely like don't go look up this comment and like be hating on that person. I think I do say it a lot. And when I hear myself in the recording, I say it enough that it distracts away from what I'm trying to talk about. I don't know where I picked up this habit, to be really honest. Maybe something with 90s television where I uh, it was in the late 90s, mid-late 90s. That's where I picked up, I feel like, the bulk of my English. When I was um, growing up in Hong Kong... I did go to an English elementary school, but I was like first or second grade or something like that. And I have no recollection of what those years were like. And, you know, when you only get like the one English class a week and the other classes you get, you know, it's in Hong Kong. So everything else was taught in Chinese. Your English isn't very good. But when my family moved to Canada when I was a lot younger and obviously in the Canadian school system, everything's in English. I picked up my English like super fast. Like when you throw a kid into a country and, you know, the language is different, they will pick it up super fast. So my English got a lot better really, really fast. And when I first moved to Canada, I had to be in ESL where they basically suck you in extra English class to catch you up. And I think four years, like within four years of, you know, moving to Canada, I think I got out of ESL and I was just waiting like the regular English classes and I was deemed like good enough to not need the extra help. But yeah, I remember reading a lot of car magazines during those years, but I'm super into cars, very fascinated by them. I still am today. And I would go buy car magazines like every week when uh, my family and I, we went out to lunch and then we went to like the grocery store. The thing I would do is I would, while my mom was buying vegetables or tomatoes or whatever, I would go to the magazine section in the grocery store and I would just check out what the new car magazines are. And I remember when I first started trying to read these car magazines, I was mostly looking at the pictures and I was trying to read the articles because I wanted to read about these cars, but obviously my English wasn't super great. So I think partially that's where I learned my English. But I mentioned last week uh, in the podcast that my parents allowed me to have an actual TV in my room when I was eight and also to have like basic cable TV. So I was watching a lot of TV and I think that's where I picked up a lot of my conversational English, if you will. So I, if I had to trace back to why I used the word like so much when I'm conversing in English, I'm going to trace it back to whatever TV I was watching, which I can't even tell you what shows I was watching. 
But I think it is something I do want to work on because it's not, I'm not doing it just because someone said, stop doing it because there's every kind of person out there on the internet that will leave any kind of comment constructive or destructive or otherwise on like everything. But uh, this is a problem. Well, this is a problem uh, for lack of whatever word. I think this is not something that's desirable. I think it does distract from the point I'm getting across. So I'm going to set it as a personal goal for myself that I'm going to work on that. It just takes me a lot of mental energy to basically every time I say something, there has to be something in my head that is trying to filter these filler words out. You know, I say like to fill space basically. Um, so yeah, I'm going to work on that. We'll, we'll see how it goes. I mean, I, I, I kind of don't want to say give me the feedback because as I record these episodes and I put them onto my computer after I record to edit, I'll naturally hear whether I'm saying like as much anymore. But I do notice, another thing that I notice is I sometimes pause quite a lot when I'm talking to like gather my thoughts. I don't think that's a problem per se. But the first time that I've noticed someone else do that same thing was actually when I was working at Google in like the early days. So I don't know if Google still had this thing, but at least they used to have this thing called TGIF, which is kind of like a company-wide meeting they had on Fridays and they move it to Thursdays. And it was usually hosted by the uh, co-founders of Google, which is Larry and Sergey, uh, when they were so active. I don't know if they're so active with the company or not, but anyways. And then I would always remember, especially in the Q&A part of TGIF, uh, Larry usually would be answering the questions with he's usually like the, the host of TGIF. And whenever Larry had to answer a question, I felt like he does the same thing or he kind of behaves similar to how I answer questions when someone would ask me a question and I have to like think about it, especially in like a work context, which is pausing and like looking off into the distance, like as if I was like staring at the sun and then basically really taking time and pausing to compose your thoughts. And I kind of sort of knew I did that, but whenever I would see and hear Larry answer questions during these company-wide meetings at Google, I would actually think, oh, wow, I do that. And to see that someone else that's, you know, so successful who's, you know, uh, someone who's very intellectual, someone who's very smart, who also does the same thing was kind of like a comfort for me. It's kind of like when you can identify in someone else uh, some of the characteristics or the traits that you have and that kind of normalizes it a little bit for you. You don't feel like, such an outcast or you don't feel like so weird, right? Um, I always thought that, oh, maybe I'm slow because I can't answer questions as quickly as some other people and I have to like take a couple of seconds and like think about it to like gather my thoughts to actually be able to verbalize a coherent answer. So to hear someone like Larry Page in front of the whole company every week during Q&A uh, to kind of sort of have that same like, take a couple of seconds, stare off into the sun, 
to formulate a question or to formulate an answer, sorry, you know, for questions that he was answering, I felt like, oh, that makes it, that makes me feel a bit better that it's not just me that does it or that is not something that is wrong with me when I see someone like a successful uh, and so smart and whatever as like Larry Page at Google doing it. So there you go. Yeah, I will try to say like a little bit less. Again, not just because some random person on the internet made a single comment to say, to like make fun of it or whatever, because this is something that I know I do. And I personally do really think it kind of sort of distracts from what I'm talking about. But again, when I listen to recordings, I hear it and like I pay attention to that and not the actual thing I'm talking about. So yeah, feel free to also let me know if you have some feedback, but I'll try to work on that. It just takes more mental energy, but it will try to work on it because when I talk, I do want you guys to focus on the topic I'm talking about, not the filler words that I unconsciously insert into the recording. Anyway, the thing that is the keeping me the most busy right now is the citizenship test. I alluded to this in the last podcast episode. And my plan was to cram. So I've got, today's Monday, I've got a few more days before I have to drive down to the whatever office and do that portion. So apparently there is a knowledge test and they test you on a whole bunch of things. Is a pool of 100 questions that uh, the USCIS make available on their website. There's a PDF and it has all 100 questions that they could ask from you or could ask of you. And uh, you have to answer uh, 10 of the questions. So the officer will pick 10 out of that 100 questions. And then you have to answer at least six of them um, to be able to pass the knowledge test. So I've been basically reading through that PDF. They also have flashcards and stuff. Um, And when I first started to study, uh, this was on Sunday when the hurricane or the storm or whatever really kicked in. I was like, well... The power is out, stormy outside, there's nothing for me to do, so I'm going to start studying. And at first, I was thinking, my memory's horrible, my memory's shit. I don't know how I crammed for all the tests that I crammed for back in high school and college. Sometimes it surprises me that I even have an engineering degree, because I know that I'm not a dumb individual. I know I have like a reasonable decent level of like smarts and intelligence but I cannot if my life depended on it right now I could not recall 90% of what I learned in college because I don't I'm not a uh, professional engineer and I don't actually practice the type of skills uh, or work that my college degree is for and because I don't practice it regularly it has just completely left my brain. So I was a little bit nervous about having to do this test. And it's not a multiple choice test. It's not a piece of paper that, like at the DMV, at the DMV to get your driver's license in the US, for a lot of states, it's a piece of paper that you get, you go into a booth, and uh, I don't know if they time you these days. I think when I took it in California, the written test for the driver's license, there wasn't a timer. They just gave you a piece of paper you go into like the standing booth area and you just do your best with the multiple choice. It was like 10 or 20 questions, multiple choice. You have to get X number of them correct. 
and then you hand a piece of paper back, and then they grade it on the spot, and then you figure out whether you pass the written test or not. No, with the citizenship test for the U.S., it's not on paper. It's not multiple choice. There's an officer in person that will ask you 10 questions that they randomly pick from the pool of 100, and you have to verbally answer. So that adds, like, the stress of it. So what I'm planning to do is I'm going to um, try to go to uh, a friend's house tomorrow and then basically just have them quiz me in person to kind of replicate what it's going to be like when I have my appointment because I can use all the flash class that I uh, want, but that's not the same as someone standing in front of you and shooting you questions kind of point blank because that's more nerve-wracking to have someone standing in front of you and be like, uh, what, what's this in what's the answer to that and blah, 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 and ask all these questions. It's not the same as reading them on a screen and you can kind of scroll through and do all that. So um, I was worried that I wouldn't be able to memorize most of the questions. But as I went through the PDF, the list of 100 questions, I actually already know like a good 20% of the answers, which is to me very surprising. I thought these are going to be super hard answers. They're not going to make any sense. I just have to like literally memorized them and I was so nervous and scared that uh, once I got there, all the answers would fall out of my head. But I've gone through uh, all the questions a few times now uh, and I've been able to just come up with the answers right away for a good like 70, 80% of them where if you just show me the uh, question right now, I can just give you the answer. So uh, for the other, like, 20 30%, though, when I don't know the answer, I'm a complete blank. Either I know the answer, and it's like, uh, you know, what is one of the authors of the um, Declaration of Independence or something? And it's like, oh, uh, I know there's, like, four of them, and, like, you're asked to name one, and I would just, like, blank. That's, some, that's one of the questions I'm blanking out on. All you Americans right now are like, oh, that, the answer is so easy. It's this. But there are a few questions where um, about 20 or 30 of them where I need to really go through and really memorize the answers. One thing I've been doing, because if I actually understand how, if I understand the context behind the answer, like basically not just memorizing the answer. So there's a section about um, the Declaration of Independence, who wrote it, how that came about, and how that led to the uh, oh, uh, let's to the Constitution, right? I actually started watching some YouTube videos and actually reading some uh, articles that explains how those events came to be. So if I actually understood and knew, really knew about that part of American history, then I'll be able to recall the answer so much better. So for some parts of, um, for some parts of this, I'm actually kind of not just trying to memorize the answers because just memorizing it and it doesn't make sense to me is not going to stick. I've actually been learning American history uh, so that I have um, the context for where these answers came from, you know, so that I actually know the answers and I know the events of just memorizing an answer that otherwise would make no sense. The next part I have to study is the part about some of the wars and like the... 1800s um so i'm gonna go do that tonight that's my assignment tonight is to uh, brush up on some of the wars there's a there's 15 there's a section about 15 of the 100 questions that's all about that and that's the only section where i know nothing i literally know nothing there's some very easy questions like 
name uh, two of the um, federal holidays and uh, what's the name of the national anthem and who gets to veto uh, bills and things like that. Those are very easy questions. So my other strategy is to wear uh, a a tight, very flattering T-shirt to the appointment. So if it's like, I don't know, a straight girl or like a gay guy, that would be extra points. It's, I was messaging my friends and I t- told them this. And then they're saying, well, that's what you usually wear anyways. And I told them, no, I, I'm usually wearing a tank top. Like I'm wearing what I'm wearing right now, for example. I'm wearing something sleeveless usually. But I don't know if wearing this, like a sleeveless T-shirt or like a tank top is kosher in, in the USCIS office or for this appointment. I feel like I need to wear... They don't say you need to wear like a, a suit or anything like that. It's not, you know, it's, it's not like a ceremony, but I feel like I need to dress up a little less gay, <laughs> but I'm, I, I do need to look presentable uh, for this appointment that's coming up. But yeah, I'm going to uh, study a little bit more. I'm feeling pretty confident that I'll be able to pass. There's another part of the test as well where they test you on your English skills, and I'm not as worried about that. You're supposed to be able to write down um, some sentences that the officer will read to you. That part, I'm not as worried about. The English part will be easy. I assume the USCIS people are not going to be like the same kind of officers that when you go across the U.S. border, when you're flying into the U.S., for example, that's technically CBP and it's a different department. You know, whenever you cross into, you cross borders and you go through customs, regardless of what country it is, for most countries in my experience anyways, the officer that's doing the passport control that's behind the booth and behind the plexiglass, I feel like 80% of the time, they have poker face or like it's resting bitch face. Like, and you can't tell. I don't know if they hire people that intentionally look like that or they're trained to like basically not show emotion and they are told yeah just have a poker face when you're doing whatever you're doing in case maybe someone walks up with their passport and you know the officer pulls up their record on the computer and it's like all sorts of crazy shit i guess they're supposed to have that poker face so they don't give away you know whatever they're seeing on the computer about the person on the record or whatever it is they're reading but speaking of that i had uh, came back from Canada, I was in Vancouver, not this past time, but the time before in the spring. And I was in Vancouver airport. Uh, you pre-clear into the U.S. while you're still in Canada. So I was going through U.S. customs uh, or like the passport control, the U.S. passport control. And I've got my ID and everything. It's really easy. I do it all the time. I've got global entry. So like you go up to the global entry machine and it scans your face, your fingerprints, your biometrics, gives you this little piece of paper, and you bring it over, and it's very easy. So I go up with a piece of paper, and I also have my passport, and he's, like, doing his thing. And then uh, they usually ask you some questions like, oh, uh, why were you in Vancouver? How long were you here for? Uh, why are you going back to the U.S.? Just very basic passport questions, uh, passport control questions. This guy, uh, he, I give him all the stuff. He's looking it up. And then a second later, he's like, where's your permit? And at first, that didn't compute because permit, it's a very specific word to use. 
and I already have gave them my uh, passport and like my stuff, and I'm like, uh, what permit? And he's like, your permit. I'm like, I'm sorry because I'm like, I don't know what you're asking about, and like I've never been asked by CBP or passport control for quote unquote a permit. And he's like, uh, for, uh, for those guns. And he was making a joke about my arms because I guess I was wearing like a sleeveless or sleeveless tee or a tank top, like I usually do. I usually don't wear anything with sleeves nowadays. I don't have the day job where I need to dress up for the nine to five. I'm wearing tank tops and sleeveless tees everywhere. Uh, so I was going through, and he like he makes that joke, and I don't know. It didn't freak me out that much because I, I wasn't doing anything wrong. I wasn't like, trying to smuggle anything. I had the right, you know, ID and passport, all the stuff to give to him. I knew none of my stuff was expired. I wasn't doing anything wrong, so like I wasn't nervous. But I can tell, I can see how the average person, when they're going through uh, password control, if you know. The officers asking for something that they don't have, that someone freak out. You know, you always hear about stories about people trying to cross the border or they're traveling somewhere and they don't have the right visa or like it was the wrong type of visa and all that kind of stuff. And they like don't get to enter the country and they have to like blah, 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 blah. Once in a while you hear stories like that. I just had like a friend of a friend that uh, was in that situation, didn't have like the right visa or like the visa expired and they didn't know and all that kind of stuff. And that's a very stressful experience, right? But I knew all my stuff wasn't expired. I knew my ID was valid. I had the right ID. I, I travel. I cross the border all the time. So he was making a joke about my arms and the guns and stuff. We've all heard that joke before. And then he was like, yeah, me and my buddy there were just check. No, he didn't say, I forgot what the word he was using, but he was basically saying, oh yeah, me and my buddy over there. And he motions to another officer and like the next booth over, we're talking about your guns. So I don't know if it's appropriate for U.S. Border Control, CBP, to be making that joke with people because it's like, I don't know, it's a very, like, official, formal, like, down of business. This is not usually the type of area to, like, be making those types of jokes. The worst, though, is when you go through um, border, passport control, whatever, and they pull you out for secondary screening if you ever get the quadruple S at the top of your paper boarding pass for a plane, I've gone that once, maybe twice, like ages, many, many years ago. And it's either like there's something on your record that's flagged the computer. Once in a while, it might be random. But I remember one time, though, I got, I didn't have the quadruple S uh, at the top of my boarding pass, but it was in Vancouver airport and it was just one of my regular trips that I do uh, multiple times every year to visit family. And I was coming back into the U S for whatever reason, they went, took me into secondary screening, which is where like they say, Oh, go, go into that room and go through those doors or whatever. And then I remember this person was going through my backpack or my carry on luggage and I didn't have anything but the way that she was asking me, is it in the training or something? She basically gave me semi-evil eyes the whole time as if she was on some sort of detective show on TV and she was a detective and she was going to interrogate me. And she, she had the look. She had the look of someone on TV playing a detective, very like, 
suspicious looking. That was not her normal demeanor. It, if it was, oh my God, I feel sorry for her. But she was asking all these questions like she would, whatever you're in a secondary screening, they're going to ask you questions about what is this, what is that, blah, blah, blah. But the way she like scrunched up her eyebrows and like looked at me and the way she was like, you don't have to have all the charade. It's like, there's nothing I can say or do to really make you more or less suspicious is you're going to ask me questions. I'm going to give you answers. You squinting and throwing your eyebrows at me. Is that supposed to make me feel more nervous or compel me to break quote unquote so that I don't lie and I drop whatever facade that I'm trying to put up because I'm smuggling drugs or something. So that was like a weird experience. She went through all my stuff. I asked all the questions. I had nothing to hide. All my idea was fine. I, I, I had barely anything in my carry-on. I was only in Vancouver for like two days. I'm not trying to carry any money. Everything's on credit cards. There was nothing. So she went through my backpack. She found nothing. And I was like, give her an Oscar. Just, just effing give, give her the Oscar or Emmy or whatever it is. It's, but to be pulling that face every time she had to go... I don't know, interrogate or inspect someone. It, that that takes a lot of effort. And yeah, God, I hope that's not the usual face and demeanor that she has because that'd be awfully hard on the real world when you're not working for CBP. But anyways, that was, that was fun. And I haven't been in that situation in a while, but I always remember that episode. Like, why are you looking so suspicious? I've got nothing to hide. So there you go. All right, so next week's episode, um, I will give you all an update on how my citizenship test appointment thing uh, later this week goes. I'm also preparing to go on the Atlantis Mediterranean cruise. That is next week. It's actually less than a week from now. Oh, shit. So it's Monday that I'm recording this. I fly out Saturday night to go to Europe. I have to go on three flights to get to Europe. So... That'll be fun, but don't worry. I'm going to have episodes of the podcast queued up for everyone before I fly out. It's, it's just not really possible for me to record. I can maybe record possibly an episode of the podcast on the cruise if I have some downtime, just like when I went to New York for New York Pride. I did record an episode there, but I won't be able to upload or edit anything while I'm on vacation, basically. So, yeah, but I definitely will um, have stories from the cruise, uh, stories from Europe after I get back in September. But we will definitely have episodes of this podcast still every week. Uh, I will pre-record a lot of good content for you guys before I leave on those flights to Europe. And until next time, bye.